on this episode of Building Men, Confidence Found with Paul Roseberry. Paul steers us through dating, marriage, and twisted takes on all of life's most dangerous topics. You'll breathe a sigh of relief when he says what we've all been thinking. His quest from having grown up a poor, fat, stuttering, reluctant vegetarian, his words, to becoming a dating coach for men is a show not to miss. From the sticks of New Hampshire, he's lived in Boston, L.A., and New York City. He's had 100-plus jobs, dated 100-plus women, has a Mensa IQ, and wants nothing more than to bring the man's man back to today's society and to your list of personal favorite comedians. Buckle up, Buttercup. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. And welcome to the Building Men Podcast. Become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. What's up, Bubba? What's up? You like my shirt today? How are you feeling about that? Guns out? Good. Good. Uh, what is this? Uh, fl- fluorescent fluorescent light? lights out. Guns, Guns out. out. Fluorescent lights yeah, out. That's a uh, sleeveless Hawaiian shirt. Yep. Sure is. Schmedium? Schmedium. That's yeah. right. I call it painted on. <laughs> yeah. That's the... Uh, painted that's what on. Painted I can't on. see your nipples yet. But yet. I'm sure but hopefully as the podcast goes on, this... Maybe my pop off. Yeah, listen, we've we've done that before. Oh yeah. So we have on a uh, our first comedian on the building that besides you, um, besides yeah, you, like your amateur comedian yeah. value that you add to the show. Yeah, yeah. Want to uh, be have our first official comedian? Paul Roseberry is a stand-up comedian. He is also a confidence and dating coach for men. So welcome, Paul Roseberry, to the Building Men Podcast, Yo. my man. Thank hey. you for being here. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's very exciting. And uh, a, a side guest is the what? What are we calling him? The Chug, Chug Bud. He's a Chug Bud. Yeah, Chug, Chug Bud is going to be a, a secondary guest. Yeah, why gonna, not? Why yeah, not? there we go. We're going to throw we'll it on there. There it yeah. is. We spent the last twenty minutes before we actually got on talking about this guy, so we might as well do a little plug. Hey, He's maybe we'll get like, a sponsor. Yeah, you never know. He's going to be like oh, the. Hey, they might. Actually, that's a great idea. <laughs> hey, you, you know guys what? No, for real. Actually, that's uh, it's my 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 buddy Chance. He's the one who runs it, and uh, I will talk to him about that tonight. That's beautiful. I'm That'd be awesome. more than willing to be the guy to promote that. To, to you know, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could do that. So, welcome to the podcast. Here, we um we connected via Instagram, um you know a while back. We started following along with what you're doing, and you do a you know kind of like a podcast where you're and you're also on Instagram. And you do like you know comedic things, and you you uh, bring people into your world. It's it's tremendous, and we're we're excited to go through this journey awesome. with you. But we wanted to start with. I just mentioned to you, we just met a couple minutes ago, and I was talking to you that I was a middle school principal for years, right? And we go back to that point in our life, and I don't think anybody would want to relive those years oh, of God. Like 6th, 7th, and 8th no. grade. It's the most awkward times no. in our life as we're going through all these fucking changes. Yeah, like, just teeth and random boners. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? I mean, it was yeah. just, I had, I mean, I, it's, and it's, I, the Moralda family, so my brother and Anthony, like, we, we come from a long line of, like, elephant tusk-ish. Tombstone teeth. Yeah. yeah. We, chiclet, we had a lot of uh, a lot of shit thrown our way um, that we munched down, yeah. but because, you know, it's that awkward time in middle school. So I'm going to ask you to start your journey, pick up somewhere in middle school, because I feel like that would be a, a funny, fun place to start. Um, to kind of weave us into, you know, how you became a stand-up comic. So starting on middle school age range, Paul. All right. So middle school, it was when I was kind of a little bit coming out of my 
unbelievably awkward years. Like I was, cause when I was younger, I grew up fat. I stuttered hard. Uh, I was vegetarian. I did not, not by choice. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> Parents raised me that way. I had never had meat until I was uh, in fifth grade. So, uh, and, and we were broke. We we're poor as shit. So, I mean, elementary school was hell upon hell. Uh, junior high was when it started to straighten out a little bit, you know, like I could have a little bit more fun. Um, but, uh, I mean, as far as like from a comedy direction, all right. So this is like, I'm giving away my age. Like I'm 42. So we didn't have internet. It wasn't a thing. So what would kids do for fun? Dude, we'd prank people. Oh yeah. You know, we just hop on the phone, right? I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> Good old yeah. days of prank calls. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So like you'd order a pizza to some house you could see from your window, you know, and just like watch the guy yeah. show up. Um, and uh, yeah, we did that shit a lot. And then we got in trouble. Actually, we had a little sit down with our junior high principal because uh, ah, we there was just this chick who pissed us off in class. She always gave the answers, you know, she always raised her hand and she made everyone else look stupid. And um yeah, so I, we, we were kind of pricks. We, we sent a bunch of shit to our house. We sent, like, a pool contractor. We sent, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, just everything you could get for free, like a free consultation, like a garage builder, everything. And uh, it, it was harmless. I mean, no one got upset. But uh, after a while, her parents want to know why everything under the sun was in their garage. Right, uh, except, for the, except for, the like, the, the dildo salesman who's making his third call to her house in three weeks. Wow, wow. You know what? That was a talk she had to have all on her own. That, was... <laughs> that wasn't and your doing. That was all her. Mom didn't Samantha! Even yeah, damn it. <laughs> Again with the dildo, Samantha? Yeah. So we ended up, uh, you know, like it, it was too funny not to tell friends. You tell a couple friends, someone blabs. And next thing you know, we're in the principal's office. And my buddy, I started to try to give us an out. I'm like, look, you know, Adam Sandler's got these albums out now and the Jerky Boys and all this stuff. And like, I mean, what do you, you know, what, what do you expect? Like, this is what we're listening to. And my buddy taps me below the chair. But like, he's like, dude, stop, stop. They're going to like get Adam Sandler banned. And I'm oh. like, how small of a world do you live in? What right. do you think? Come on, I had man. a couple of kids from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You know? <laughs> like, I think Sandler's doing a little better than whatever we're going to throw his way. Uh, just just blame it on the CD, dude. Just blame it on the CD. Let's just, let's just go that route. It's, it's amazing, right? I mean, I remember being at, on the other side of that desk as a principal trying to i mean it's a divide and conquer right you look for the the kid who's going to be like you know what let's fucking let's go we're going to fuck i'm going to snitch on my 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 buddy here and that's all they did i mean that, they they yeah. grabbed the weakest link and your buddy he folded like a cheap suit like a prison warden oh, you just smell the weak one yeah you just see it <laughs> right and that's what, an extra pillow they yeah. taught me that they taught me that in graduate school and i got my master's degree they're like listen this is how you go about oh. you know you know breaking a kid down so all right so, <laughs> so now you're now you're in middle school right and you're you know you it's that you know you you've gone through the awkward phase right of, of did you ever eh. sneak did, did you ever sneak a meat did you ever sneak a beef jerky <laughs> stick or yeah what was your first meat encounter oh, that's what uh, i would love right. to know yeah no, i'll tell you all about that shit man listen to this so life sucked as a vegetarian there was nothing cool about it like I was fat and it was because, do you remember, this is going way back, do you remember those Total commercials when they'd show like 12 bowls of the other kind of cereal? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember and those? You ate all 12. <laughs> yeah. So in order to get full off from like a friggin' mayonnaise sandwich, 
you got to eat like 20 of them. You know what I mean? Because one one chicken sandwich, you'd be good and you're back outside playing. You had to eat a loaf of bread to get full as a vegetarian. <laughs> and I was a fat basketball looking kid. I, it sucked, you know? So uh, finally I got sick of it. And and that, that was just the fat part. At school, man, so I'd still get school lunch. But this is the 80s. They didn't even know. Those old lunch ladies with the hairnets, they didn't know what the hell vegetarian was. They hadn't heard of that shit. So they would get me this like it didn't make logical sense it was just checking off the list of protein and calories there would be one slice of brown bread one slice of white bread a spoonful of peanut butter still on the spork like just just there yeah and so it just not it didn't make any sense it was disgusting other kids see that and they're just like throwing cheetos at you you're a loser you know and uh so I finally, I'm like, enough of this shit. You know, I'm sorry. I got to be my own man. So one day I tell the lunch lady, yeah, I'll get hot lunch and uh, give me the regular. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the hot dog, you know? Whoa. She's like, but you're the vegetarian kid. You can't have that. I said, hey, I'm good. And she's like afraid of liability. She doesn't even know, will I die? You know, like, she doesn't know <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. And uh, so I get it and I go home. And I tell my mom now, and in fairness, I was terrified of it. I didn't know, like, cause my aunt was a dietitian. She scared me. She's like, if you don't start eating meat soon, you won't have the enzymes to break it down. So for like your whole life, you'll never be able to eat meat. That was kind of the impetus to finally put me over the edge was I, I figured I got to give myself a chance. So I go home after eating it. It was disgusting. I just didn't even, I, I was terrified. It was gross. I go home and I tell my mom, so do you know what I have for lunch? She goes, what? I said, a hot dog. What are you talking about? I said, yeah, I had a hot dog for lunch. She's like, really? I said, yep. She goes, did you like it? I said, yeah, it was great. And she's like, all right. <laughs> next day, next day, dude. I tell the lunch lady, give me a lunch. She's like, which one? I said, hamburger. She's like, okay. I eat it again, terrified, disgusting, just ramming French fries in my mouth so I don't taste the meat. <laughs> I go home to my mom. Mom, you know what I have for lunch today? She goes, what'd you have? I said, hamburger. She goes, how was it? Delicious, loved it. <laughs> She goes, you know what's for dinner? I said, what? Chicken. I said, what? She goes, yeah, forget it. You know what? You're right. I grew up eating meat. I haven't eaten meat since you were born. And uh, I miss it. We're all eating meat again. We're not vegetarians anymore. That's it. We're a meat-eating family. And I'm like, oh, shit. I don't actually like it. I don't, I don't know if this was a good idea. I don't know if I wanted this. I don't know if I meant for this to happen. But she just gave out like a damn, dude. It was just over. And just no more tofu. All meat from there on in. And I've... I'm glad, actually. I mean, I eat chicken every day. So there's there's Martin Luther King, there's Rosa Parks, and there's Paul Roseberry. I mean, I just believe that you, 100%. you fought the system and he, you took down yep. a vegetarian lifestyle for an entire family. Yeah. And the yeah. ripple effect. I mean, the people listening to this that are They're that are still suffering. hearing about this to this day. It's still actually, you know, the domino effect of that is unbelievable. I, can't, I brought I, down the plant curtain. You, you do. <laughs> I can't let this moment slip, Anthony. You, you kind of snuck it in there that you still remember your first experience with meat. Can you share with the audience? Or my, is that... my, it's, what, like sexually? What, what do we? That's what I'm trying to figure. <laughs> oh, out. I don't. I, I don't know. If there's um... several avenues we can go down right now. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't where... sure where you were heading with that. Um... I'm really curious. Like that was an intro. That was an intro. That was. I a... <laughs> See, this is what he does. He'll literally set me up for a plug that I don't even know what it is, you know, and I got to fucking come up with something off the cuff. 
I, that can I, go I, I, anywhere. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 and I, it did. It did, Paul. And it might. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Seriously. I know. It's, it was. You, oh, you said no accents. I didn't. There was no half, accents. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Fuck. so we, 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 we weave our way through the um, the vegetarian debacle where you come out of, yeah. of your shell and now you've. you've uh, it was, you know, basically like women's suffrage it was like you know you f you freed the whole thing i mean that was a, a big deal i'd like to think yeah Mandela. so absolutely <laughs> exactly so now <laughs> what is the rest of your experience life in, in middle school now that meat is part of your life and you're able you've come through this you know the the whole overweight thing and the you, you mentioned stuttering things so where what, how did that play yeah. into your middle school experience so that i had gotten rid of it a lot you know, like I worked on it. I worked on it hard. And actually, you know what? No, I did have a speech therapist that I saw a couple times in junior high. But um, it just it was just kind of a mental thing. You just decide like you're sick of being that kid. Like, forget it. You know what I mean? Like wh whatever it is you got to do, think about it. Figure it out. Everyone else can talk. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Just do it. Just what I mean, you know, just trial and error. Like you just figure it out. Stop stuttering. And um, I don't know. I mean, that it would sound callous if i said that to someone else but i said it to me and it worked you just whatever dude figure it out you got time um yeah i mean no one else is talking to you <laughs> just sound like a busted record um so yeah i got over that and thank god you know middle schools where all the school all the elementary schools come together so the vegetarian thing was out of the way uh i was in a much better position to have a chance and um yeah, I mean, started to figure out, like, I uh, taught myself how to play basketball one summer. So I started to make the team a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, junior high got a lot better. But, uh, yeah, it was it was still up and down. I mean, we were still broke. <laughs> like, that part still sucked. But, um, yeah, I mean, coming out of – like, and I, I ended up later on – by the end of high school, I got most talkative, and that didn't start senior year. That goes way back. That was, I'd say, early on. Because I liked making jokes. I like watching stand-up on, on TV when I get home from school. So – always you know i got picked on a lot in elementary school so my my distraction was being funny and uh so i just ran with that shit i yeah i got pretty funny in junior high I, i'd say i was a pretty funny kid so a lot of the things that you hear about comics is that they they've gone through a really difficult past and they use that challenging experience to it's almost like they, they have this deep like depressive kind of thing going on a lot of you know successful stand-up comics do you feel like that you used your pain that you experienced through your, you know, the way that you look physically, the stuttering, the, you know, the financial resources that you lacked as a kid growing up. Did you use that to fuel your, you know, being able, like using that pain? It's to a coping mechanism almost. You know, yes and no. And I say, like, it was my reason for having such an interest in comedy because I was just so uncomfortable in my own life. I just, it was just, I hated it. I mean, so many things sucked, but, uh, so when I watch comedy, you're just laughing and I was a, you know, pretty smart kid. So for me to be able to learn from a, from adults on one of the most complicated arts, if you will, I, I, I do call it art if it's done well, you know, if it's, if it's not, then it's not, but, uh, you know, from one of the most complicated methods of thinking, I loved it. It really challenged my brain. I felt like it made me smarter, but it definitely, it gave me some control socially where, I didn't necessarily, I didn't make fun of me. I've never been a self-deprecator. I didn't like that. I mean, I had enough friggin' pain. I'm not trying to, yeah, yeah. you know, open the floodgate to everyone else. Fuck that. But uh, I would use it to distract. You know what I mean? I got a hole in my shoe. Well, let's talk about that stupid thing that dog just did to that guy across the street. You know what I mean? There we go. And then we're all laughing about, you know, that. 
And uh, yeah, now there is no hole in the shoe because no one's looking. So I used it in that way. You know, like I definitely, uh, it came from discomfort for sure. Um, but as far as like, talk, like I say yes and no, because the about me, I just started learning to talk about me on stage in the last couple of years. A lot of people kept telling me as a comic, dude, you got to talk about you. Tell us about you. I'm like, no. No, I don't want to. I'm a train wreck. Why do you want to hear about me? Yeah, well, I'm not doing that shit. And it just seemed vain because it's like, look, we're in a dark room. You guys are all sitting down. I'm standing up. You're low. I'm on a stage. You're in the dark. I'm in a light. I have a microphone. You're not allowed to speak. And we're going to add to that dynamic that we're going to talk about me. Come on. That's as as vain as you can. Like, what? Jesus. You know, (laughs) come on. It just seemed a little a little not right. So, uh, but eventually I, I've, I've been learning more about what it means to be able to talk about you. And that has helped. It's added a whole new dimension. It's added a lot of texture to my comedy because people are starting to be able to come to me and be like, dude, that thing you just said, I, you don't even know how I relate to that. I'm so glad someone said it. And I'm like, wow, that was some dark shit that I didn't know if I should say out loud. <laughs> it's not about me being fat. It's about like like whether or not I even like life. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. And people are like, hey, me too. And I'm like, get out of here, really? All right, interesting. And if you think about that idea of the, it's almost like the, the cup game where you put the, the ping pong ball into the solo cup and you kind of move it around. So as people are, are looking at you, you're it's like the prestige and the magic trick. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. like you're you're diverting their attention in another direction. Totally. So you're able to take a step back. Were you in high school, were you the kind of kid that was like nobody would fuck with because they knew that you had the wit to cut them down? Like, I, I still remember those kids that were like, you know what, if you start with this kid, he's going to embarrass you in front of everybody else. You know what? I, I mean, I would spend a week in those shoes, but that was not me. You know, um, no, I mean, I was always fast and, uh, but I just, I didn't have like a specific group of friends, you know, like I had a couple who I was tight with, but I was kind of a little bit friends with everybody. And, uh, so I kind of liked playing the role of mayor. You know what I mean? I I liked just to kind of have a couple, you know, just to know everybody a little bit. And, um, I was more like, I guess since we grew up so broke, like it was always like be nice so that people want to help you kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't that like chip on the shoulder, you know, gangs of New York shit where I was out beating ass because I was broke. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it was like, just be really likable. Just, just be, just be undeniably, you know, like, so I, I kind of tried to go that route. I mean, I, I didn't get in any fights in high school, a lot of fights in elementary school, but not like by high school, it was more, uh, like uh, diplomat training. I just, I love the fact that you were able to use, like how you said people come up to you, right? And they tell you like, dude, like I was thinking that or I felt that, I totally understood what you were talking about. Cause like, it's such a, another way of healing for people, right? So like you're using yeah. your story to make, not light of it, but to kind of like understand it in a different light and make people like realize that you've been through that but take have a different take on it and now people can relate to you and what like you know it's just when you have the um 
like the the relevance when people talk about themselves all the time and all the good things that they've done a lot of people can't relate to that but when you talk about your struggles people yeah. can relate to that they they flock towards that and especially when you put yeah. a comedic sense on it even more people can flock to that and they feel like fuck like i could relate to this guy like this is great and that's like that's something that's so special and i think people don't realize like you called it an art which i 100 percent agree it is an art it's something yeah. that doesn't just come naturally i mean maybe it comes naturally but i think you've no, it, built this well, you know yeah 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 so yeah yeah i think that's awesome i mean i appreciate it man yeah it's uh that that's kind of like I, I've been thinking a lot about branding. I talked with some people who are in the industry industry about like what it means to develop a brand, if you will, because you can only make so many jokes about being at the grocery store or riding on a plane, you know, before you feel like, oh, shit, I'm just in the crowd. You know what I mean? There's a million comics who can tell you a joke about, you know, buying soda or whatever. Who cares? But when you start to like decide what it is you want to do and find out in my case, I've been lucky where like, I was able to look at what I had been doing to find the brand. Instead of deciding a brand, you kind of look at what you do and you're like, what's the common pattern here? And for me, a lot of it is, uh, I like to take topics that you are not supposed to talk about. And, uh, and I take you for like a safari ride. And uh, I bring you right up to the lion's teeth. I mean, it's going to be like, don't, reach out, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> stay inside the bus, but, uh, there'll be no windows. There'll be a guy with a rifle in the back and we're going to, we're just going to go right into it and, and we're going to come out and everyone's going to be okay. Believe it or not. Like this isn't, I'm not here to get anyone hurt. I'm not here to upset anybody. That's my challenge as a comedian. Cause I, I, I like to find like a real challenge within the challenge. And for me, that's to go, you know, I, I like to say I'm like WD 40 of social issues because, uh, you know, if you don't talk about things, then no one can grow. Nothing can be gained. Like no one can improve. So I'm, I'm the, I'm the oil in the system that I'll weave right through the whole thing and I'll take us to the bottom of it. And when we come back, you're like, I can't believe you just did a, sh a set about mass shootings and I'm completely okay with it. You know, like yeah. that's, it's one of the greatest compliments. And I didn't know I was doing it until enough people were coming up to me because I thought I was making jokes about irony. And then someone's like that. I can't believe you just did a date rape joke. That was, and I liked it and I'm a girl and I'm like, not supposed to. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize that was a date rape joke. You're right. How about that? You're right. Actually, that's what that was, isn't it? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, and, and it's for a larger sociological context. It's like the problem named is the problem solved. Instead of hiding behind the bushes and watching something go by, you're like, let's, let's, you know, fucking strap up and let's jump into this right yeah. now. Let's talk about let's it. Let's go in. Let's go. Dude, I, I did some stuff last week talking about, you know, some of the letters of LGBTQ and, and then also talking about my, what it, how the trans world appears to a guy who's not. And no one got hurt. There was no reason to get hurt. There was no intent of anyone to get hurt. And and some gay guys came up to me afterward and were like, hey, that was a really cool set, man. What's your Instagram? I want to follow you. And I was like, well, there we go. Yeah. That's it. It's I love that because I was just one of my questions was going to be like, how do you function in like comedically in this world that it's so easy to offend and it more it's more apparent than ever before where people are yeah. like you know blatantly coming out and saying like you can't say this and censoring and like it's got to be very difficult to be a comic right now because i've noticed that like comedy isn't what it was in a sense it's like you have to kind of 
you're treading lightly when you you're walking on eggshells all the time. But I I love how you flirt with that edge, oh, like you're right there. I just had this weird image in my head. Yeah, and it's just really <laughs> painted quite a picture for me there, Paul. Thank you for that. <laughs> just saying, I don't know what you did with those with, with, with your vegetables. With the, with the, the meat that my first meat experience. Yeah. <laughs> we have a couple podcast I mean, episodes. We go deep into the vegetable world uh, without yeah. a doubt. It gets yeah. weird. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, in, in what you were saying just there, there's a scene of I'm sure you, you guys probably were into Mad Men. Did you guys look like the show when it was out? Oh, absolutely. I fucking love that show. John Hamm awesome was a fucking show. badass motherfucker. He's a monster. Dude, what, uh, season one, I don't know what episode, but early on, he's in a room with some hippies. Might have been the first episode. I don't know. But he's in this room with a bunch of hippies and he's in his three piece suit. And they're talking about hip, hippie stuff. You know, the government is terrible and this and that, all these things. And as he goes to walk out the door, they go, one of them goes, hey, be careful. You can't, you, you, you can't go out there. And he just turns, bad as shit. He just turns and he goes, I can. And he just walked <laughs> out the door. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's my attitude toward those topics. Oh, you can't talk about that. I can. I can. Absolutely, and it's just it's re, it's re, uh, the Mad Men thing. Um, it's rebranding it. It's like thinking you can't sell Lucky Strikes. You can't talk about cigarettes. He's like, how can you? It's toasted. It's like that was the line. That was the. It's toasted, and that was like they're like, oh my god, I, be, I believe I want to I want to go ahead and smoke cigarettes now. It's amazing how change the topic to what you want it to yes. be. Wasn't that from Mad Men? Mad, Mad Men too. Like, yeah, it's like it's. Do you want them to believe in what you're selling? You it just like find that little way that, that nuance, nuance yeah, to to go. switch it up just a little tiny bit to have have people see it in a little bit of a different perspective, and that's what you're doing. You're taking this difficult conversation. You're adding, you know, just a little bit. You're you're like look at it from this perspective rather than than where it you are. It can be done, but it it's authentic and it's refreshing. Like it yeah. really, it really is. That's what I love about it. It's, I mean, dude, I think comedy is the final frontier of, of, of freedom, freedom of speech, you know, like, because yeah, if you work in an office with an HR department, then you, you're playing with fire. If you talk about anything trans, anything relationship, dating, sex, like what, I mean, you just, cause it's people didn't necessarily walk in that environment to hear it. So there's kind of a point. But if you go to a comedy club, we're the last philosophers. That's it. Like, we're here to say what you can't. And that's our job. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of vent that for you. You know, like, you can't say that shit to Larry, you know, from sales. Yeah, well, if he's in sales, he can. But, uh, you know. Like, <laughs> and listen, if your name is Larry, you can fucking say anything to Larry. Yeah, yeah that's right. Larry. It's, it's fucking, true. Lawrence yeah, fucking it, settled. Yeah. Yeah, lo- yeah. Larry, take a but, seat. Uh, I got to fucking, I got to unload right now. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're you're up on stage, right? And to your point, you know, people are, are entering your world. Like you're the, the they're entering once they open the doors, it's like all hold you know, no holds barred. This is my zone in here. So fucking loosen up your ass cheeks a little bit as you're walking in here. Yeah. Right? It's it's so now And they, maybe they, I'll help you. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're not only helping them laugh, you're helping them deal with some shit potentially. It's cathartic. It's their cathartic release, yeah. right? It's therapy for yeah. these people. Dude, for, I mean, really, like I was uh, 
I, I, I was in a hosting class because uh, there, there's a comedy club around here that if you want to be a host, you got to go through their workshop to learn their specific ins and outs, whatever. Fine. No problem. And uh, so I was kind of doing like off a script kind of thing that they give you. And the guy was like, ah, you know, I'm not, I don't really like the way you're doing it. Cause it was a small room, but I know that their main room holds 250. So I'm projecting to an imaginary 250. He didn't like that. There's only 12 people in the room. So he wanted me to, you know, be able to down who's really in front of you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I just cut it down and I just made this kind of fucked up joke about my mom had died like within the year and I made a joke about it. And he was like, that is the kind of shit you should be talking more about. <laughs> like, wow okay like now we know you now we're here now we're listening now okay and uh and i've gone farther with those and it's not like a you know i I mean i'm not an idiot it's not a tasteless joke it's a great joke but again how many people have lost a parent lost a loved one how many people you know it's so now if you have this situation where it's one of the heaviest topics you'll ever encounter in life and you don't know how to vent it you know, maybe you wear a cross, maybe a, you know, re- religion helps, maybe. But if there's something left over that you didn't know how to unpack, maybe here in a comic, just find a way to make you laugh about cremation might just be that last little scratch. You know what I mean? It might. Yeah, exactly. It'll help. You never know. You know? And, and being in that spot where you're opening up your world to other people where they can relate in a way and make that connection i mean the world is about making connections in my opinion like we've lost so much that relational thing with people that you know over the past year year and a half that we haven't had yeah. that people have like gone inside there's been some work that people have done inside but there's sure we, we've missed a lot of that so now you know talk to me a little bit I'm, I'm curious about the you know the host part of it you know the the whole script thing because you seem like you have the the comic to me like you you have an idea of what you want to go with but it's not you're not going to script line by line by line by line so how do you go about preparing you know for getting up on stage how what's your process like you know that's a good question because i uh it's changed over it, it it's grown i mean now i've gotten to a point where i kind of just know what topics I want to talk about. And I should know by that point where I stand on those topics, you know, because it, that's what keeps it real. That's what keeps it from being scripted. Even if I'm not holding a piece of paper, it can't sound like a line by line regurgitation of something that is essentially scripted on my eyelids. Um, So I try to just go in there and just be real, just talk about where I'm really at. And like, I try to put some emotion into it so that it's, where I'm at. Like sometimes, like the other day I laid down some shit that I went hard. It was just an open mic and I just cut loose on, uh, on, on some stuff with the space that's going on right now with, uh, you know, Branson and Bezos. And it flew so hard out of me. I was like, I wish I had that initial emotion on a Friday night at a club because now I, I like, it was so cathartic for me just to get it out that I'm like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to need to unload that as much next time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I hope I didn't just get that out and I'm good now because yeah, I got to continue to be pissed about that topic, but it's, um, yeah, you kind of just, you pick stuff you want to talk about, pick stuff that you try to think about. Like, like, you know, these people, they're only going to get to know me for as long as I'm up. And I try to, you, 
you have to try to put your ego aside. You know, you want things to go well. You want your name to blow up. You want to, you know, get booked and do Madison Square Garden. That You want that for you. But you have to remember that you've got to touch these people in a way. You know what I mean? You got to poke these people in such a way that they want to talk about you when they leave. It's about them. What did they come in here with a need for? Can you serve that need? And uh, how are you going to do it? You know, how are you best going to do it? You know, you might have 50 topics you could talk about. Pick two or three of the most impactful. So these guys walk out of here being like, oh, that dude who went up second. Holy shit. Fucking, you know, I want to be friends with that guy. I want to have a, that, that should be your goal, right. that they want to have a beer with you. That's what's on your mind, that you're going into them like you're going to have a beer and that you want them to want to have a beer with you after. I'd love that because I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And that that's the idea of no matter where you're going, whether you're getting, you're showing up for 10 people or, you know, 10,000 people, you yeah. chose to do that. So you need to show up, right? You need to give them show your up. all, right? And like that people can tell that's your energy that you bring. And like, it also fascinates me that, you know, you, you know, there's, there's times I'm sure that you have to tell, you know, you're telling a joke that lands and you're telling it in multiple scenarios and multiple shows that you're doing to bring that same energy. That's got to be so tough, you know, to be like, cause you yeah. have to put yourself, like you just said, right. Can you bring that same moment that you had or that feeling that you had the emotion that you had to the next time when you do it on a Friday and do that? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you go about doing that when you go up on stage? Well, part of it, you got to remind yourself, um, just because you've heard it, they haven't. That's the key. They haven't. And if they need it, then you can kind of reset in that way. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. kind of like you're like a vacuum salesman and, you, you know, you got 20 of them and you unload all your vacuums, whatever. Well, the next place you go, no one has a vacuum. So you're kind of starting over. You know what I mean? Even though you're sick of selling, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just these people need it. They don't have it. And you do. So you've got to get it to them in that way. You, you, you just, you have to get excited about the fact that it's fresh to them. You know what I mean? If, if it's stale to you, I mean, that could happen the second time you say it. It could yeah. happen before you say it if you've thought about it a lot that day. You know what I mean? But if you're just excited to like feed them. And as you're walking out there, you don't know if these people have fucking purchased the Suckmaster 3000. You know, you're walking up with with your you're walking up with your goods. And I have four of those. Yeah, <laughs> at least at, at least, least. They yeah, one, in all the colors. That's why you travel, have the five thousand. Tra- that's right. travel. Damn right, <laughs> travel master. You gotta have six minute ads. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so curious. Now you're yeah. you're walking right. No, like, no, there's no Mary, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so, no, you no. Six minute abs? <laughs> what? It's not enough time. Oh no, that's just. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Um, you, so now you're walking up on stage, right? And, and this is the part that I'm fascinated about because yeah. having to, you know, being in spots where you're a keynote or giving uh, pro- professional development speeches where I'm in front of a, lo- a larger group, yeah. there's that moment as you're walking up where you're like, all right, you have to like kind of check yourself, take that deep breath and like get into this zone almost. I Initially, when I would do something like that, Paul, I would, I would, it would be overwhelming. I, I would see the lights and I would be like, 
I'm just talking. Then I started to be like, I'm, I need to connect with every single person in here. So I would look around and have a conversation with each person. That was the way that I was able to get through I that, like that experience yeah, in my head. How do, you, how do you go about when you're when you're out there, the lights are on you and people are all looking up on you? Like I said, like the lights are on you, they're looking up at you. How do you go yeah. about that experience? What's the process that goes on in your head to actually perform, to, to, to do your well, show? It, I'll, for one, to jump ahead to when you're on stage, just for a second, what you were just saying is absolutely the same thing. When you're saying have a conversation with every person, when you find that one person who you can see just a little bit through the lights and they're dying, that's your dude. That's your girl. This is a conversation between the two of you that everybody else is lucky to be a part of. You know, like you are playing or for a couple of those people, like now it's fine. Now you found your anchor point. Now you know exactly where, you, you know, that's the per person who gets you. They understand you and you are going to fly to the moon and take everyone with you. You know, it's tougher when you don't see anybody like that. If there's no one who's loving you, then you, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're circling, looking for it. You're going to keep zipping around, doing your thing and you're going to bring it. But when you get those certain people, that's when that's when it's lights out. That's when you can just pedal to the metal. But getting on the stage, man, I I've likened it a lot to uh, to dating because, you know, I figured out a ton of stuff about dating and I got really good at it. And uh, that's, you know, my girlfriend just walked out the door. I've been together forever. She's great. She's cool. She's hot. All that. But, uh, you know, I, <laughs> she's, uh, I mean, but I, I used to be nervous as shit going on a date. You know, it's very similar. You go on a date, you're nervous. You're like, oh, my God. I, you know, I can't believe this person's going to spend time with me. You know, this is like a performance of I got to impress them. Uh, I hope they like me. I hope we hook up. I hope they want to see me again. You know, all the above. Like, I hope they just don't hate me and tell all their friends I suck. So it very similar to comedy, very similar. And later on, when you figure out how to decide who you are before that date happens, then later on, you show up to that date like, well, who, the, who else are you going to date? I'm, I'm awesome. You know what I mean? Like you pr probably you're going to like me, you know, not definitely. I don't know. Maybe you don't like guys named Paul, but pro yeah, it's probably going to go pretty well. I know I, I'm going to have a good time and I bet you will too. Even if we don't become lovers, like you're going to have a great time and it, you've got to do the same thing with comedy. It can't be, I hope you guys like me. I hope this leads to me becoming a real comic. My life depends. You know what I mean? Like you can't put pressure on it like that. If this doesn't go well, I'm ruined. Like, no one can have a good time. That's like a guy having a gun to your head the whole time you're up there. No one's going to even hear what you're saying because they see the invisible gun to your head. And they're nervous. They're like, is this dude about to get shot in the face <laughs> right. tonight? Like, I don't even... Well, I, I'm I wearing white saying. pants. That's not going to go on my white pants. I can't, I can't yeah, deal with those Yeah, I'm in the front, my... like Gallagher. I need the, <laughs> the plastic. This guy's about to watermelon my whole outfit. So you, you can't go up with a gun to your head. You got to know, like you're a comic or you're not, you know, if you're a comic, then no matter how tonight goes, you're going to do this again and again and again and again. And so whatever, like you should have done your homework. If you're not a jerk, you should know what you're about to talk about. Like on some level, you should have something that you think is going to go well. You're going to serve these people well, but uh, yeah, you got to go up there, chill, man. You got to go up. Like I'm going to lay down some opinions that are real. They're mine. I'm not making them up to sound funny. And, uh, that's my best chance of sounding authentic. It's my, that's my best shot. And if that doesn't work, then at least I didn't come up here and fluff you with a bunch of lies. You're just not my audience. No big deal. 
and it's it's to that point you're having a good time you're speaking your truth if they don't laugh if they don't get it that's their shit yeah. you know and getting to that point that you're okay and you're comfortable with that and now i look at what you said like so i've had social anxiety my whole life right so i've struggled just doing public speaking speaking up in class anything where there was more than like 10 people i would just shut down right i would yeah. just be crippled with fear um and it makes so much sense the way you were saying like you know you look at one person and you're like you know you should just be honored that you're able to kind of you know eavesdrop on our conversation right now you know but i'm just talking to this yeah. one person you know and that makes it a lot less intimidating and a lot less scary because i look at the whole thing right. whenever i'm doing right. it and that just right. stops me in my tracks you know a comic i i i'm gonna say it was Stephen wright i'm not sure i heard it from another comic i don't know who said it originally i think it was Stephen wright said um whether you're doing a crowd of 10 or 10,000, it's kind of like swimming in the ocean. Once you can't touch the bottom, who cares how deep it is? What does it matter? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. I just, that stuck with me. It's exactly that. Yeah. You know, like once it's, you, you, once it's a crowd, it's a crowd, you know, and, and uh, who cares? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that holds up when you hit 10,000. Haven't done it. Would like to. We'll yeah. find out. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of that, like, like, like you find that one person, you have that conversation with them and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just a matter of time for the 10 K that's, it's just a matter of time. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking almost now. So now you're up on stage, you've connected with that one person. Have you, have you had that experience of that fucking asshole in the audience who is just, he's riding, he's just coming back. He's heckling. He's. Have you have you had to deal with one of those guys or gals, whoever? Not, not that much yet. Not that much yet. I mean, I would think just based on numbers that I would have by now had that one that, you know. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I just I, like I've, I can kind of calm them down. You know, like you can kind of play them off pretty quickly. I have a, I, I, if they want to be a pain in the ass, they're going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, I just, I've been lucky. I just haven't really. Um, to be like, look at that dog over there biting that guy in the ass over there. Exactly. Check it out. Yeah. Dude, one of the first times I got time, like, uh, at like a big full club was, uh, I, I watched a comic who's, who's a pretty good name. And um, he was up on stage. He was headlining. And he got into an argument with someone in the crowd. They, it, I guess he, he was talking about, it was wintertime in New England. And they're like, stop talking about death. <laughs> I don't know why. It could, I was talking a lot about death. And it's just, in New England, it's dark. It's cold. It's dark early. There's no leaves on the trees. You know, like, we're, we're not trying to hear that shit. You know, we're already sad enough. And he wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't gelling, you know. And, uh, and so whatever, like, he... He just didn't care for the way it was brought to him. And I, I, I watched, he had a full on argument with, with somebody and uh, she, the woman who he argued with was with a party of 60. Whoa. And they left. <laughs> that's, uh, that's tough. Yeah. Dude, there were like 300 people in the audience. Oh, that's a God. fifth. That's a fifth. 60 people just got up oh. and made this exodus they parted the sea like moses wow. <laughs> see you later and everybody was like oh wow 
Wow. All right. Didn't know she brought everyone she's ever met. It was like she had like a society with her. It was literally like something to do with, with animals. And she had like a humane society, the whole oh. fucking society. It was weird. And that dude's jaw dropped. He's a he's a seasoned, well, you know, known guy. Yeah. And he just was like, oh, shit. And it, 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 it fucked him up a little. So I from I saw that early. So I generally, you know, I have a little bit of, you know, I, I, I think we can all have fun. I, I try to. I'm, I'm going to eat those words. Yeah. I hope to get busy enough where, you know, law of averages. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I just haven't done it enough yet, you know, I guess maybe. But And when, when the see. women's auxiliary of, of uh, warm, hot weather come your way, you know not to make any do- jokes yeah, about don't, darkness. Don't make that. them leave. Yeah, exactly. Dude. <laughs> fucking great. I mean, it was something. It was something. <laughs> So you talked yeah. to us a little bit about your your work with with comedy and how that works into you helping men, especially with confidence. So how did you get from how did yeah. you jump from being on stage, like understanding how it worked for you to to bridging that gap to helping people that struggle with with confidence? We see it all the time in our and with what yeah. we're doing with building men. That's the thing that men struggle with is their confidence. They, they tell themselves these stories that are not true. They just live inside their head. Yeah. Well, or, or, or maybe even they are true, but they're true 10 years ago. Right. You know, or they're, they're, they're true when you were a foot and a half shorter, you know, like, I mean, you just, they may not be now. Like I, I, I love that. I mean, this is what, what made me click on you guys right away. When I saw building men, the name is directly to the point, And I was like, I can't imagine it's not what I would expect. And it's exactly what I expect. We we're talking before the show. Um, I just, you know, so what it was was like i mentioned I, I i grew up broke fat stuttered all the above the vegetarian my last name's roseberry dude i mean that's good if you want to be a senator you know yeah. when you're old but like that sucks as a kid man you get like shit all over with a name like that you just you get and uh and and also like i i grew up in like a really shitty neighborhood where like my mom took a lot of care of me growing up so by the time I got to school, I was happy. I was like in this sheltered sort of like life is actually a beautiful thing. And then we, we like had to move out of our house. We moved to a really bad neighborhood and everyone was broken. So like literally first day of school of first grade, I kid you not, first, first day, I was walking onto the sketchy like bridge that you had to walk over to get back to the neighborhood, this ghetto bullshit where we lived. And a, 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 an upperclassman rode by on his BMX, kicked me in the back and I landed on my face first day and i'm like oh this is this is gonna oh man this is definitely this is gonna be a long road dude yeah literally ben landry (laughs) fuck that kid for life i don't give a shit you know like (laughs) he was in like fifth grade sixth grade i don't know what they had back then if it was fifth or sixth but uh he he was in in the he was the oldest in the school and i was it was my first day of first grade and boom and i'll never forget bmx hutch bike anyway so i just I had it rough, man. I, I, I had it rough and I had not a clue how to fix it. And so, I mean, I, I suffered in a lot of ways. Like I just played a lot of video games. I ate a lot of carbs. You know what I mean? I just stayed in my sandwiches. Pool. Dude, for <laughs> real, man. I'd eat cereal by the box, man. Like I just, you know, shit, leave me alone. I'm just trying to get through this. And uh, so as time went on, it was when it was time to start dating. You know, like like in, in high school and I, you know, I graduated a virgin. I had no skills with girls because even though I started, I was getting like to be decent looking and, you know, like I played sports a little bit, but I didn't believe that I had any value whatsoever. 
I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be me. I was embarrassed of where I came from. I was embarrassed of the house that I lived in, the cars my parents drove, just everything. You know, we had, I had this really low perspective on, on where I stood. And uh, that's how I sold myself. And I didn't even know it. You know, I just gave myself no credit. Um, even when I thought I kind of was when I, I, cause I had always, you know, like I'd always, like I've always been an outgoing guy, but I didn't realize that there was something missing from the way I presented myself. And um, so dating forced me to do that. And, and girls would say, no, you know, they didn't want to go out with me. And I was like, it's weird. I've seen lesser looking guys, potted girls, like <laughs> what is this shit, you know? And uh, so I just started to say, all right, I'm going to figure this out. I'm just going to figure out what it takes to get good at life, to get good at people, to get good at me. I'm going to figure it out. And so I started asking every girl I came across, you know, I would, I would just talk. I would just talk. It's not like every girl I ask her on a date, but I would just talk to every girl. And if it seemed like maybe it was a chance of a date and I would throw it out there and the nose occasionally. A yes. Nose a couple more. Yeses nose and like half yeses. And then you start to figure it out. And like, yeah, you can get a date whenever you, you know what I mean? I started to really figure out what it meant to like interact with others. And then I started to get dates and you have a girlfriend or two. I mean, like, dude, I don't know if you can see this tat. Oh, yeah. What did yeah. that say, that bitch? bitch? Yeah, fuck yeah, it does. So, because I fucked up, man. The first girl I started dating, I was, like, head over heels. And I'm like, oh, my God, finally someone, you know, approves of me. You know what I mean? Like, finally, you know, this is great. And I want to be with you all the time so I don't have to be alone because that sucks. And uh, and what does that turn out? You're going to get dumped in your ass right there hard. Uh and so that happened, you know, and um, and a few times. And so after a while, I was like, all right, let's figure out why that happened. And then after, you know, and so like everything that sucks, you take the time to figure out and you backtrack and you say what was working, what wasn't. And you just get very analytical. And over time, I mean, you know, I lived in, in, in L.A. in my 20s. I dated I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot. I didn't have any girlfriends in my 20s. I just dated a ton. And uh I learned. I learned what it meant to make other people happy and then what it meant to make me happy and then how I can go about being the me that they like and I like mutually. You know, like it, it just it was a lot of step by step trial and error, wipe the slate, start over. And um, it's taken me a large part of my life, but I feel like I've taken steady notes on what it took to get to where I am now, where I have a great relationship with a girl who's awesome. And she, she's, she's a healthy person. I don't have to like tell her she's ugly so that she'll like me. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, cause you, when, as you start to build yourself, you're so focused on building yourself kind of like a tower in a way, like you build yourself brick by brick. And every once in a while you glance back and you see no one else is that tall. You know what I mean? Like you see everyone else is still struggling on level one. You're on level 12. You're actually kicking a whole lot of ass and you, you start to realize shit, you know, like I know things people don't. And, and so in time guys started coming up to me, like guys at work, you know, like I, I, I heard this one guy, he told me he was having trouble with a girl. She had broken up with him. And, uh, I said, well, what's going on? He told me a little bit and I said, all right, we can fix this. He goes, well, what do you mean? No, she dumped me yesterday. I said, get out your phone. So we start texting this girl. I tell him what to say. She texts back. I just tell him what to say again. 20 minutes, 15 minutes into this, I'm like, can I just hold your phone? Can you just, I won't press send unless you say yes, but 
I'm going to fix this. And so I text the girl for him. And he's like, this is on, I don't even understand what you're saying. I said, I'll explain to you. So you know what I'm saying and why it all makes sense. And by the time I was done texting 20 minutes into it, he was having dinner with her that night at a restaurant near his place. They were back together and she couldn't wait to see him. And the kid was like, what the fuck did you just do? And I said, well, we should talk so that you know what I did because you're about to go on a date with this chick tonight. And, uh, and before you know it, I started doing that for a lot of guys. Word got out that I could, I just, I just see it in a way. It's kind of like, you remember like, I see dead people. Like I see relationships. I just see them. I just get, I see how they work. It's like a Rubik's cube to me. And I just see the bricks and I like, all right, put this one next to that one and that one next to this one. And then this will be a better way for you to feel comfortable. You're being more honest and then she's going to like you more. And now you can get married. There you go. And then they, <laughs> like, and then they cast Will Smith to play you in the movie Hitch. I mean, that was a, a brilliant. You look exactly was, like yeah, him. Yeah. You helped Kevin James land the, the supermodel. <laughs> a little bit of a tan, but shit, it looks just <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it. A little bit of a tan. <laughs> yeah. It's L.A. Maybe in time. I could just go down to Santa Monica. Um, yeah, man. Dude, it's uh, like... I, 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 I've taken every long road you possibly can, but I took notes along the way. Uh, and I just, I, I, it really does something for me. I enjoy helping guys because I can see where they mess up. Most of what, where I come from with things is about value. It's that guys, I say guys, people, people in general, but just being a guy, you know, I kind of live life through the eyes of a guy. Um, I think a lot of people don't take time to establish their own value. You know what I mean? Like they don't think about what they're yep. worth. And, and in fact, they, they, they bet against themselves. Guy sees a hot girl at a bar and his hands get sweaty before he goes up to talk to her because he's thinking, oh, that girl probably dates Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like what, she ain't going to talk to me. She dates a guy with more money than me, a cooler job, you know, more muscles, whatever. What, I, I don't know. Like what I'm just going up. There, I'm just going up there to get my ass handed to me. That's what a lot of guys think, whether they realize it in those words or not. That's why they get nervous. You don't know her. What do you know about this chick? She could be a member of the Aryan nation. You have, you have no clue. Who gives a <laughs> shit about it? You know what I mean? Like you just bet on a total stranger and absolutely buried your value under betting on her. And you don't even know what cards she's holding. Who are you? What do you do? Yep. What are you into? You know what I mean? Like take some time and get really comfortable and think about like whether you're into movies, you're into music, you're into whatever. You know, get comfortable being alone and really understand what you bring to the table so that, you know, like you kick ass. You know what I mean? Like you're you're man. There's a lot of bums out there. There's a lot of losers that would treat that girl like shit or just not entertain or whatever. It, you're awesome. And so if you happen to be a match with her, this could be a great day for her, because if she's single, this is exactly what she's looking for. She's buying. She's in the market. And if she's not, then there's nothing to talk about. So you're presenting an opportunity to someone who has a need. Why would you look at it any other way? And now when you walk up to her, you have established you are worth her time, just kind of blindly to anybody, whatever. And in fact, you, once you learn to have value for yourself, you start to learn to protect that value. Because as with anyone you know, you probably can't just call up you know, Bill Gates and have lunch with him. The guy's got a busy calendar. Well, you do too. You know, that means you don't just share your time with everyone you meet, even though that would be nice to you. You're only one you. You only live once. So you're going up to her to figure out if she would be a good fit for you, which means what does that mean? That means now 
novel concept. You start asking her about her. That's everyone's favorite topic themselves. So you start asking her about her. When she answers, oh, this is some crazy shit. You're a guy who listens. Oh my God, never heard of such a thing. Yeah, no, you're a total stud because you're just doing basic shit that's mutually beneficial. You know, you're in the moment. You're not in your head thinking about, I, I bet I'm going to say something stupid. I bet she hates me. You're not thinking about that. You're listening to her in the moment and you're being there and you're seeing who she is and, and you're being able to respond in the moment. Whatever she says, it might be cool and you can respond about it. And one of the, it, one of two things could happen. Either you meet an awesome girl who feels like she really met you and can't wait to see you again. Or you're in this rare position where you're a guy who used to think low of himself, but now you just talk to a hot girl at a bar who didn't really call to you in a special way, you know, whatever. She's probably great, just not for you. And you just kindly, you know, hey, I got this thing. I got to run. It was nice talking with you. And you just bailed on a hot chick because she didn't do it for you. That's that's the golden, you know what I mean? That's that's when two girls are going to talk to you before you even get to the door. You know, you're on fire at that point. And so I like to help guys be able to do that. And you're reframing the conversation in your own mind to something where it, if you don't value yourself and your time and your worth, no one else is going to value it. So you're, you're helping people understand that they are bringing some level of, of competence to a situation. And if someone else doesn't see that, that's their shit. That has nothing to do with you. If they don't get totally. your value, that is totally on them. It has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And it's a total, it's just shifting that, that a little bit in your head. And it ends up leading us down this road of codependency, right? People depending on oh. other people for their fucking happiness. And like, I'm sure you've seen that a thousand times. I help with that a lot. I help with that a lot. Recently, in the last week, I was actually helping a girl with, uh, with, with a situation where she was going through a breakup. She, she wasn't sure if it would become a breakup. It ended up becoming a breakup. And I told her, I said, look, probably it's going to be that, realistically. Um, because of your behavior pattern leading up to this, once we break it down and give you a good look at it, you're probably going to not care to live that way anymore. You know, And so you're going to get some huge growth right now. And it's going to be great. I think you're really going to like it. And that person may not trust that this sort of change is around the corner. You know what I mean? Because if, if you guys break up, it's because of who you were. It's not going to be because who you are moving forward. But I had explained this person. I said, look, do you understand that your self-worth is based on their opinion? Do you know that? Do you know that's how you operate? It shouldn't be. But based on what you've told me, based on the text messages you've shown me, based on where you're at and the way you've interacted with this person, you are not even in a relationship with that guy. You're in a relationship with yourself and you're using him as a mirror. This guy has nothing, you know what I mean? He's just there for the ride. He's not even involved. You don't know how to de determine your own worth. So he has to like you in order for you to have worth. And if he doesn't like you enough, then you start a fight. What? what? Like, do you there's, there's no chance of winning for this guy. There's no chance of winning. And what she also didn't realize, she didn't give herself an out. What if she doesn't even like him? Doesn't matter. She can't walk away unless he likes her, unless he validates her. And then she can decide. Because if, if he is a stranger who's gotten to know her pretty well and now knows her better than most, enough to have a pretty significant opinion of her and he doesn't care for her, then she's worth zero and she's broken. And that, I mean, how do you live that way? You can't, you can't. 
So we talked about what different ex examples of interactions where she was actually creating issues because she put pressure on him. I said, you weigh a thousand pounds. You are a lead balloon like this guy. I mean, the amount of, you know, what you're putting on him to give back to you is not even natural. So there's nothing fun about your relationship. I think you got to take some time and really literally do the old Benjamin Franklin T graph. This is what I like about me. This is what I don't. And if it's two to 10, you got to switch that out. You got to, you know, get it to where you really like you and think you bring a lot to the table. And then when you spend time with this guy, it's because you care to not because you need it. It's got to be because you just it's it's easy. It's got to be light. You, you know? talk about being a like a, a dating and a confidence coach. It's, it's so much more than that from what you're saying. I mean, you're you're basically helping people rewrite the script about themselves in their own mind. It's it's more of a therapist slash like, um, you know, language coach. It's the language that you're telling yourselves and yeah. that people are telling themselves. It's like an operating system. Yeah. kind of. Yes. You know, like iOS, it's it's kind of because when you see how many bugs are in the one that you wrote without intending to. You know, we just kind of slap it together. But I mean, this is why if you really take the time to create one and write it properly with intent and write it based on logic and reason, then yeah, I mean, you can, there's no reason you can't get along with most people. And if, if you don't, then, you know, I, I, I was telling this girl too, I said, look, I said, think of it like this. Say you have a million dollars in the bank, million bucks, and you invest a hundred dollars in that relationship. Well, you want to protect your hundred bucks, you know, but if it doesn't work out, who cares? You know, who cares? You lose a hundred dollars, no big deal. But if you have a hundred dollars in the bank and you invest 99 in that relationship, you're back to the gun to the head. It has to work, you know, like it must, or you're dead. So yeah, when you teach people how to really look at themselves and look at how they invest in others, what they bring to the table, how, you know, like you, you can carry it to how you interact with coworkers, family members, relationships, friends, you know, it's it, because this person actually was having similar issues with friends and she didn't know why. And, but when we were done talking, I mean, we talked for maybe a couple hours and uh, but like like some real a real hard couple hours and uh, no I mean like the light bulb went off you know I mean I I have strong faith that with ongoing it's it, it's 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 like a muscle you got to build it over time you know like like you know that first workout when it just leaves you sore and ripped and you're like wow all right I got the form like now now I know how to do that 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 lift but you've got to do it twice a week now, you know what I mean? You got to do that moving forward to build the muscle. So it takes time to really understand new situations where you acted in your old way versus, or could pat yourself on the back because you're carrying this new mindset. Um, it takes a little bit of time, but I, I, I literally, I don't know how you live any other way. I really don't. And a lot of people, I, that, that, that's why it excites me to be able to do it for people. You know, just like I can tell your passion when we first started talking, yep. you, you know, made a major life decision, went a different route because you cared about helping people in a certain way. I, it's, it's all, the, all, my biggest challenge is remembering to have the discipline to only help those who are interested in it. <laughs> because sometimes you see people and you're like, dude, what are you doing? But if that person's not interested in change, then it's not going to yep. happen. 
It, it, and, and you're wasting your own time. You're being intrusive. You're being a jerk. So you just don't, you know, but because that's that's ultimately the, 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 the linchpin. If you want help and you want change, I can do awesome things with you. But if you're just like doing it because I mentioned, hey, you know, kind of got bad form, tuck the elbow, then you're not going to listen right. to me. And I'm not going to waste my time. You know what I mean? Like, why, why would I do that? It's so I just I love how you you coach right now because of how introspective you've been throughout your life. You know how much you've looked inward through every experience. You try to learn something from that and build off of that and get growth from that, you know, and like that shows and reflects when you speak about this and how passionate you are about it, because every single interaction you had, from what I can tell, relationship you've been in, you said, huh, like what, what didn't do it? What worked and what didn't work? What, what was, you know, what part of me can I learn from and how can I be a little different or what can I gain from that? You know, and, and I find that it's so obvious when you speak about that. And it's just, it's, I love that. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's the only, I, I mean, the only tough thing about that sometimes from the outside, it looks like stagnance because it takes so much focus to try to learn about these things that I care about that I'm not, uh, I'm not a millionaire. You know what I mean? I didn't, uh, I didn't go and do this career that would have absorbed me and I would have had to have focused hundred percent to, you know, be a doctor or this or that. It, like I knew there was a curriculum at home that I had to focus on and it just, it was just more important to me. It, it was just like, this is far more important to me than figuring out how to be the top real estate agent in Los Angeles. I, I, I can't give a shit about how to sell the most homes because anyone can live anywhere. You'll figure it out. You have a lot of money. You're going to have a nice house. Who cares? Anyone can do it. There's nothing rare about, there's nothing unique about what I can offer you in that perspective. So I do know there's something that I really enjoy digging into. And I really think I can have a unique value to others. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's not as obvious. It's a, it's a harder road to know that you're making progress. It's a harder road to know that it's going somewhere. You know, it, it's not because when you're doing it, you're doing it just so you can live, just so you can survive. So you can, you know, not be in misery yourself. You don't know that eventually you want to be able to help as many people as you can reach, get through the same pain. You don't know that you're just trying to get that next breath. You're trying to not drown, but in time, you know, as you start to look back, you're like, wait a minute, maybe I can teach a lot of people how to swim, you know, like, great, but you don't know at the time. So it's, you know, it's, I guess what I'm saying, it's like a long road, you know, it's not like if you, if you want to become a surgeon, you know, every year, you're one year closer to your fellowship and you just know every step of the way that your life is growing and you'll have an income, you know, <laughs> like you don't, you don't know that when you're understanding the human psychology and, and, and figuring out like sort of a base code as to how we can all be happier people. Like there's not, not a guaranteed outcome on that. My final question for you, Paul would be what the fuck was that girl's parents thinking when she named her that the tattoo on your arm? I mean, that's a fucking horrible name. Uh, it's you're yeah, in for a lifelong yeah. like that's such journey. A fucking... Who is she to break up with me? Uh, yeah. right, her name is bitch. <laughs> she should have been. Oh my God, what was her last name? Life. Someone's oh, gonna be with me with this fucking God, bitch. Dude, I'll tell you what it was. 
I'll tell you what, what, what it was because I'm still a comic, you know? So uh, I didn't get into comedy for real until much later, but I always knew that it would be in, in, in my path at some point. I knew I'd mess around with a couple of mics here and there. So I was working at a CD store. Again, I sound like I'm 300 years old. I was working at a CD store in Pacific Beach. I was doing a boatload of acid at the time. Like I had just moved there to do acid. I moved there on acid and I just did acid for like three months straight. <laughs> and um, so anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was in the midst of killing this vial and um, I'm working at the CD store and I'm like, wow, there's comedy albums, you know? Like I, I didn't even know comics had albums. I didn't even know they had CDs. And so I was like, this is kind of cool. I should make a CD someday, you know? And, and like, I was so mad that this girl had like broken up with me and her life sounded so much cooler. We're all in college. Like, I mean, she was, I wasn't, but uh, I just, her life just sounded awesome. And she's working at this club and, you know, in Boston, whatever. And I was like, well, it would be awesome. It'd be a great comeback if I had an album and I would call like, what's up now, bitch. And that was, that was how sim that was how like childlike my head was. I wanted like a silk the shocker front with like a big grill and like ice, you know what I mean? Just killing it with like Cadillacs and shit, old school rap fucking ice. But on the back, I had this vision of this tattoo. And I was like, I gotta fucking I gotta find some of that tattoo so I can get a picture. And I was like, no one has that fucking tattoo. What am I talking about? There's no one on the planet that has that tattoo. That tattoo's ridiculous. So I said, all right, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'm going to commit to this album. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that tattoo. So I start going around. I go down Pacific Beach and I'm going into a couple tattoo parlors and I walk into this one and there was like a guy who would be cast by Hollywood as the tattoo guy. He's wearing, he's huge, fat biker looking guy, muscles and fat. He's wearing uh, a vest. With no it has shirt. to be a vest. Vest with no shirt, like a jean vest. And just a monster and, uh, and, and just covered in ink. So he walks up. He's like, what can I do for you? And I tell him what I want. And he looks at me. I swear to God, he looks at me and he goes, that's 150 bucks. But if you're serious, you don't just walk in here and ask for that. You take my card, you call me, you schedule it with me because I need to be the one to do it because that is insane. And I was like, that guy just called me insane. Like, <laughs> I was flattered. <laughs> uh, I had to have it. And unfortunately, unfortunately for the experience I would have had with him, uh, because I'm also frugal and, you know, like I, I'm not loaded. I, I, that day, I took the bus back to the gas lamp district of San Diego where I lived. Got off the bus and I was intending to go with that guy. I just happened to look up and there was this like Korean joint that had tattoos in the window. And the guy, uh, Tiger Jimmy, was wearing a lab coat. And he just, he's Asian, he's wearing a lab coat. Like that's probably very sterile and clean and just, you know, healthy. And so I see, you know, it always says like Brenda or mom. And I was like, how much for that? But like, bitch instead. And he was like, $100. And I was like, Wow, it's fifty bucks less. It's like thirty-three percent off. You know what I mean? I'm I said, "No mathematician." Right yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I'm like, that's, a, that's like a pretty good coupon right there. So he goes right now, and I'm like, "Well, fucking right now." I had a hundred bucks, and I could do it, and I got it right then, and I just had to. But the 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 like the the joke of it is, is that there was a uh, Norman Rockwell painting where there was a guy, a sailor, who had the bitch. Is it, he he had had the heart. And then he had all these different names with lines through them. And he was getting another name and he's sweating. And the guy who's doing it 
is like sweating too because it's not going to work. It's not going to last. You know what I mean? Like the tattoo is all about any guy who's got this heart with a name in it. He didn't last with her because he didn't know what giving in a relationship was about. You put someone's name on your skin, you're giving them your skin. What are they going to do with your skin? That's not of use to them. You might as well give them your spleen. They're going to throw it in the trash and you're going to die without it. Like you got to know what you can give in a relationship and what you can't. And if you give too much of things that you shouldn't be giving, then they're not going to know what to do with it and you're going to be left alone. And so basically, if you get a girl's name that's only going to be with you for a couple more months, but you're going to have the name on you for the rest of your life, get what you're going to call her for the long part of it. That's it. Bitch, Which is why I have a tattoo that says spleen on my on my arm. Uh, yeah, that's spleen. right. <laughs> so, Paul, tell us, tell the Building Men audience how they could get in touch with you, how they can find you and, and you know, Flash work with you. Flash a signal at night. Flash a signal. Like a Batman symbol. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. Um, Paul Roseberry, man, you put that on the internet. There are only a few others, and they're pretty weird, and they don't come up too easily. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you go on Instagram, Paul Roseberry Comedy. PaulRoseberry.com is my website. Uh, confidencefound.com uh, is technically back up, but I'm revising it, so give that a couple days. But um, yeah, pretty much Paul Roseberry, and I can help you with comedy or uh, confidence. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. If anybody's driving through the uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, and you see Ben Landry, uh, he's in his mid-40s right now, late-40s, driving a BMX, yep. kick that motherfucker in the back. In yeah. the back yeah. as hard as you can and make sure he lands on his face. <laughs> make sure. Make sure. And then say Roseberry rules. <laughs> Roseberry rules. Roseberry Bitch. rules. That's it. Let's go. He's got a hit out. God. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Find us on Instagram, building.men, buildingmencoach at gmail.com. We're on YouTube. We're on everywhere you can find uh uh, social media wise Beautiful. brother anything uh, any closing words no dude this was great i really needed this right now a good a good laugh a good message with that i really appreciate it your time has been this is this has been awesome yeah, brother. we'd love to have you back on in a couple months too just to shoot the shit again we yeah, really appreciate it anytime. man absolutely yeah. back at you it's nice to talk to like guys yep absolutely like, like men yep. it's nice to talk to men yeah. it's, we're we're a rare breed these days we sure so are. i really appreciate you having me on and uh excited to be a part of your cause absolutely go one step further than you thought you can go take Take care. See you next time on Building Men.